welcome to an episode of Quincy Talks where I take a conversation I had with a with an individual that I thought was powerful, impactful, or valuable, and uh, we break it down and reshare it here on Perfect Soccer Radio. Some conversations are recent, some are conversations from the past, but regardless, these are conversations we believe are valuable in their own ways to everybody at different points in time in their process. If you listen to this episode and you learn or gain anything of value or gain any insights, we'd love for you to reach out to us and let you let us know what you've learned as well as leave a comment or a review on the podcast or platform that you're currently listening. Thanks again and enjoy today's episode. You're listening to the 5050 Ball Podcast with Renee Canales and Carlos Cortez. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the 5050 Ball Podcast. I'm Renee Canales. And I'm Carlos Cortez. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. It's a, it's a special episode. We have a very special guest, a professional soccer player, 10-year pro going on in 11 years uh, by the name of Quincy Ameriqua. He's played for a few teams in Major League Soccer, San Jose, the Chicago Fire, DC United, who was his last team. Uh, he joined us on a podcast this week, and boy, oh boy, was it a very interesting conversation that we had with him. Yeah, for sure. You want to talk about somebody who keeps it 100. He was definitely the type of person that you want to have a conversation with. Uh, a lot of things to say about a league that we looked at very differently. Or maybe we just Obviously. didn't know about being fans. You know, you don't really look at exactly what happens behind the closed doors. The business side of things, it's he gave us a different look that a lot of people wouldn't know unless players like him talk about it and they share their experience and they share their mistakes and how they developed as not just professionals but as as humans, right? Uh, he's somebody who throughout his career dealt with a lot of adversity and he overcame those obstacles by seeing what was in front of him and allowing himself to be developed and looking for different ways of becoming a better person and you know he he sort of alludes to it you know throughout the podcast um you know not a lot of players really want to go out there and speak out about what's going on behind the doors or behind the scenes in in, in, a, in a league like this but he has no problems going out there you know so that makes him unique above a lot of other people that we probably could have interviewed we probably would have gotten you know the by the book answers uh, but he he doesn't, man. He's a straight shooter. He really, you know, he really let us know what was on his mind. He's very into, you know, his mental state of mind, his his his, his mental health. He even takes a shot at somebody uh, a little yeah. bit, which is very interesting. And I got a, a lot of good reactions out of a lot of people. I mean, listen, we've known Quincy Ameriqua just by, like, what we've seen on the field, the the goals that he scored, the teams that he's played for. He's you know, come to Red Bull Arena several times and, you know, torch the Red Bulls, whether it be with Chicago or San Jose. Um, so, but me, like knowing him on this sort of level that we got to know him was just, uh, I mean, it was outstanding. It was awesome. Yeah. And, and one thing I want people to understand is he's the type of person that understands his role. He understands that he's not everybody's number one choice. And, as you previously mentioned, he's gonna go. He's gonna go on about his take on where he stands as a professional athlete and how he's not going to be every club's number one choice, especially not in the free agency. But he's gonna be the guy that they end up going with simply because he's 
been able to consistently had his name on the the team roster you know he's been able to maintain himself relevant and not even being the main guy when he does score goals they're usually phenomenal ones and we wish him nothing but the best and we hope that you know somebody sees his tenacity his his aggressiveness his his want and and the hard work that he puts into keeping himself right for the game you know hopefully he finds it home soon he goes on to talk about just the, the way that he got into the league just his it was an unnatural course uh the way things sort of were, you know worked into place for him um and just like you said the way his career sort of you know has gone through the you know through the 10 years that he's been around where he hasn't been the number one choice he's always been the fifth sixth seventh option off the board you know so uh but he's made a hell of a career out of it I can tell you that yeah I'm gonna go on record and say that I definitely would have expected any any professional athlete to want to be a professional athlete from a young age and just work hard to get to where they're at or even if you're just born with the talent just uh, just know that you're going to be an, a professional he wasn't he never he never considered the option of becoming a professional athlete and it's something that i find very interesting because it when we begin when, when we looked into what type of questions we asked him you know most of the questions were leading into what made what pushed you to do this what how'd you get there you know what was your dream when you were a kid who was your favorite team as a kid right you you think of all those questions because you just want to know and his was not. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it was not. You know? Which is which is also not. Like I said, it's a different path to a life of success. And even though he isn't the number one option, like we like we've said, and like he goes on to talk about, he still made a successful career. He's been in the league ten plus years. I yeah. mean, that just doesn't happen overnight. It just doesn't happen to anybody. There's yeah. a reason why you're there. And why you're constantly going, you know, why you're constantly pit, even if you are the fifth, sixth, or seventh option. And that's because you're a serviceable player. You're you're somebody that a coach can depend on at some point throughout the season. And because you, you know, you show up in the big moments. And that's something that Quincy Ameriqua has done throughout his 10-year professional Major League Soccer career. And you guys hear that on the podcast. Once again, he he's he's a special dude. He's awesome. He's funny. And he does not hold back. That's not in his nature. That's yeah. not in his nature. He he lives in your head rent free. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so, Hashtag rent still free. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Quincy America on the 50-50 Ball Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 50-50 Ball Podcast. I'm Renee Canales. That's Carlos Cortez. And we are pleased to be joined by professional soccer player, Quincy Ameriqua. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you for taking the time out. I know, uh, especially with the quarantine, it's a little tough being at home. But we want to thank you very much for joining us here. Hey, man. Thanks for having me and thinking of me. And I'm looking forward to the interview. And we'll we'll see what we'll get into today. You know what? Let's let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, you know, being a professional soccer player, you know, you you go through a number of years of playing, you know, travel, high school, college ball, you know, then, you know, making that jump into the pros. At what age, man, did you figure out, you know, this is what I want to do? I think I have the ability to do it. Oh, I think my story is going to be a lot different than most most guys that you'll be interviewing over time. So the first time I ever thought about Going pro and pro being a, a possibility or reality was my senior year of college. So I had to have been, what, 20, 20 years old uh, or something like that. Chris Beville, shout out Chris Beville. 
we were stretching before after practice and he and he had said we're talking about something he said we all know you're going pro so that's literally the first moment I ever thought about it I went like what we all know I'm going pro what what are you talking about you know what I mean like news to me and that was the first time where I went like oh well yeah if pro was an option I'd be down to like see what that would be about but that was pretty much that was the extent to which I ever thought about pro that was the first time I thought about it and then uh I got uh invited to the combine MLS combine at the time and then went to that obviously and then got drafted by the quakes I think talking about the chaos of children and professional sports that was how my professional career kicked off was total chaos no understanding of the professional world, no connections within the professional world, no understanding of soccer culture and any of that. I didn't watch soccer growing up. Uh, I didn't have a favorite team. I didn't have a favorite player. I, I was very soccer culture ignorant when I started, and that definitely did not help me at all yeah. along, along this journey. But, uh, hey, we're, we're still here. 11 years later, we're still here. Yeah, that's awesome. So you get the call from San Jose being drafted. Is it, is it automatically, yes, let, let's do it? What do I have to do next? Or was there any consideration to do anything else besides soccer at that point? So while I got invited to the combine, but I was still at Davis. So I went to UC Davis for my four years of, for my pre collegiate career. Um, I was studying pre-med at Davis. So I was in my bio 104 lab. We we're doing, I forget what we were doing. We were doing some, now you're making me <laughs> where I was at. I have to think through that. I think we we're doing some, something about residual volume on in my exercise bio lab. And uh, my phone started kind of blowing up with text messages and stuff saying, congratulations, congratulations. I was like, okay, cool. I opened it and I was like, all right, congratulations. Uh, people were like, oh, congrats. You got drafted to the San Jose Earthquakes. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, like, I don't really know what that means. You're like, oh yeah, that means they picked you up. You went third round or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But I needed to finish my class before I kind of figured that out. So then when I got back to my dorm room, and uh, started doing some research as to like, all right, what's drafted mean? Uh, San Jose Earthquakes. Okay, this is the first time I've heard of them. What's I know what a head coach is, at least I think. Who's the head coach? Okay, Frank Gallup's the head coach. General manager, John Doyle. What's the general manager? I don't know any of those things. And that's literally where I started. So that's where I started with my research. That's where I started with my understanding. And that's where all of this has started to progress and grow over time. So um to answer your question, no, it was, I'm open to the idea of seeing what potential may or may not be there and uh, figure out how and if it could fit into my larger, bigger picture goals and vision for myself in, you know, school and, and life and business. And um, clearly we were able to make it work and, and come together, so. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that transition like from, from college? Obviously, you say you were in class, in, in a bio class uh, when you got the news. What was that transition like from college over to the pros? Was it, you know, like you said, you were doing a lot of research on who the head coach was, what was the head coach, what was the GM? Um, was it smooth? Was it tumultuous? So uh, That depends on the perspective you want to take. Uh, maybe some people thought it wasn't smooth for them. And I'm like, Hey, everything's going great for me. Uh, no problem. But I'm just destroying everything that's in my path, you know? So, yeah. but I understand the question you're asking me. So maybe to set a little bit more context as to, as to my, my youth career, I, uh, I was playing, I played AYSO. Then I transitioned from AYSO to club, local club team, Bakersfield, California. I was with the Bakersfield Alliance. 
I played for several years with them. We were making our ways up in the Cal South leagues. I forget the name of it, but we were making our way up. Then I broke my femur. So then I was out for like months. Uh, so for those who might not know, the femur is like the largest bone in your body. At this time, I'm like 11 or 12 years old. And at that time, the surgeries and ACLs and recoveries from that isn't the way that it is here now with the timetables and stuff. So at that time, it's kind of pretty much, you, you probably won't play again or you're not going to be the same again, all that kind of stuff. I ended up getting back to the game. I was in a straight leg cast in a wheelchair for like over a year plus and rehabbed and as best as rehabbing was at that time. Uh, came back maybe 18 months, had to completely change my game. I was purely speed before that. I transitioned into like having no speed, holding up the ball. That's what I'm mainly known for today as a hold-up target striker. Uh, and then continued on with the Bakersfield Alliance until my senior year. So at the expense of saying the whole entire thing, right? I just was under the impression and thought that I must not be good enough at soccer, which is why I'm not getting college soccer scholarships or recruitment or whatever. I didn't understand the college recruitment process. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't even know it was a thing. I, my, where I started was just thinking that if you do well enough on the field, then it just means someone will see you or find you, and that's how it works. It wasn't until the last game of my last tournament of my club career with the Alliance, we made it far enough in the tournament down in Nomads, I believe it was, in San Diego, where we played a team at like 9 o'clock at night. It was like my last game of my club career where uh, two college coaches happened to be scouting a year out the opposing the opposing team and in that game that was the night I got seen offered a recruitment trip and a scholarship on that one night and I tell people wow. the way that I did it is absolutely not the way that you do it the way I was approaching it was the reason why that opportunity eventually presented itself again very much to the last minute the reason why I expressed that and that coach happened to be Dwayne Schaefer I ended up going to Davis like I said did the four years at, at uh, Davis and didn't think of anything about pro because college soccer wasn't even a thing until it became a thing and then I get there so once I get to college, I now see there's actually a recruitment process. There's a whole world of information that exists online, or maybe not so much at that time, but there's a whole world of information and people that if you know, they could tell you how the process works. Had I known those things early enough in the process, I, I probably would have been able with my talent at that time and what I was doing, I would have been able to play at a very top university in the, in the country, not uh, division two that transitioned into division one for the, the rest of my time. So the reason why I'm saying that is setting context for saying, because I made the mistake the first time while I was in college, I realized that there was more to the process than I understood. And because of that, while I was at, in college, I realized a valuable lesson and experience that I think most players in college don't, which is, uh, which is learning the business of soccer and how that works and why that's more valuable and more important and the networking side is more valuable and more important than your talent on the field and how good you actually are. Because yeah. if you know the right person, you have the right connections, you have the right information, you get your foot in the door. If you're the most talented, you know everything and you're great with everything, you don't have any of those connections, you never get in. So when I got pro, when I got there, I was able to look at it from that lens or perspective. So I'm showing you guys my little walking through my process yeah. of where I got the timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Now when I got pro, I didn't look at pro the way that everybody else who looked at pro looked at pro. Most of those guys there, that was their goal. That was their vision. That was their dream. They were watching, you know, 
Ronaldinho growing up and Zidane and all these teams and all over the place. And they said their goal was to play professional soccer. Many of them wanted to go to Europe, but you know, Hey, I'm going to start an MLS and then I'm going to go to Europe. So I'm there. And when you're asking me if it was a smooth transition or not, I can talk about it from the, from this perspective. Now at the time, I'm telling you, what I did not understand was why everyone wasn't planning for their career being over one day. So when I was talking to guys like, okay, cool. Yeah, we're pro, but like, what business are you working on? Where are you investing? Like, how are you preparing for if you get injured? How are you preparing for when your career ends? Yeah, I agree. We all want to play until we're 35, 40 years old, but Hey, let's look at the data and numbers. How many guys here statistically are going to be 35 when they retire? And then based on minimum salary here right now is $18,500. Like it doesn't make sense not to have a backup plan. Correct. So that was what I did not understand when I started and why it might've been smooth sailing for me in, in the beginning. Cause uh, from my perspective, or it wasn't smooth sailing. That transition was difficult because I didn't understand everybody. So I couldn't speak their language. I didn't, you know, I don't know soccer. I don't under, I don't understand these teams. I don't know. Like just taught me how the European, the premier system works like nine months ago. I was like, Oh, okay. That's how it works. I didn't know those things. So when I'm talking to guys, they just think I'm an idiot and I don't understand why they think I'm an idiot until now. So that's what I'm, (laughs) that's what I'm sharing with you guys. Right. So, or until more recently and I go, Oh, okay. That's why everyone wrote me off and that's why no one was helping me. And that's why no one was showing me anything because I wasn't speaking their language but I couldn't speak their language because I didn't, I didn't watch the game. So you know better at that point. Correct. And, and what you think, and then when you said, what was the process like, it was extremely difficult. Yeah. Harder than it probably ever should be. And I didn't know why I just knew I'm going to figure out why. And I don't care how long it's going to take me, but if everybody who's telling me I'm stupid and I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm not good enough is right eventually I won't be playing in the league anymore. So I think I must be onto something, even though I don't know what that something is, but I'm going to see it through and I'm going to work my, my butt off to make it happen. So I was able to see it through, right? I made it to 10 years, a decade long in the, in the league. And I think at that point in time, people can't say that you don't know what you're doing. They might say you're an idiot or you're dumb or whatever, but you figured something out. And once I figured that something out, I'm able to now reflect back on my career and go, oh, that's what it was. That's what I didn't know. I didn't understand. But hey, like you said, you made a decade long career out of it and you went into it pretty much blindfolded. You didn't know what the hell you were doing and look at where you're at now, right? You, cool. you, you've you gone through multiple teams. You've won an MLS Cup. You've been a part of those teams. I mean, for somebody who, as you're putting it, was oblivious to the game i mean damn you made a hell out of of a career out of it yes which made me then fully go all right how do i understand the game and how don't you because if your goal is to get if your goal for over 10 years was to get rid of me and and you couldn't do it what do i know yeah you don't know and do you want to keep you want to keep doing what you're doing Ah, go ahead msl baby adapt or die your head Mental Strength League, baby. We've been here over a decade plus, 11 years, and we're keeping everybody the game because I'm yeah. able to at least share, hey, 
hey, everybody listening here live or on the replay or in the future, two years from now, 10 years from now, I'm letting you know what I didn't know when I started. And the advantage you have is you have time. You have yeah. time. And I'm also walking you through, through the process, how it works, why people do the things that they do, how to handle that, cope with that, deal with that, especially if like this is what you want. Because there's a lot, I've seen so many talented players who got crushed by the political game because that's what's, that's the most important game. The political game, then the business, those kind of go hand in hand. And most don't have, I guess, the drive or the determination to learn those things, which is why they eventually get taken advantage of in some capacity in their career. So at, at, at any point throughout your career, did you have to adjust your playing style? You know, you, you go through a crazy injury when you're young. Is that something that altered your, I guess, like it could be your, your diet, your, your how you work out. Did you have to change any of that throughout your career to maintain yourself uh, somebody who's a part of these these clubs the way in which i survived and made it this long is because that's what i got hyper optimized at doing adapting and changing my game my body my physiology my my ability to integrate into a team specific to what the team needs at that particular time so many people say oh you're a journeyman you're a problem in the locker room that's why you've been from this organization or that one or this one i understand why people think that and that's okay. They can, they can believe that if they want to. What I do understand and know is that I am not the number one choice that most clubs, organizations, and coaches are looking for when they're going, hey, who's our, who's our short list of our number one striker, two, and three striker that we want for this organization? Who's the one that the higher-ups and the ownership and the fans and stuff won't crucify us for signing or bringing on? Like, Everyone in the whole system is focused on protecting themselves and their job first. So they might not necessarily go with who's best or who's the right option. They're going to go with who's best for keeping their job and being able to deflect responsibility when things don't go well. So that's the first thing that most people have to fully accept, acknowledge, and realize. And if they don't, again, I'm not going to tell I don't care. It really doesn't matter. Uh, but but the, the point that um, – sorry, this is good because you guys are – you guys are getting all the gems right now. <laughs> uh, oh, because I understand that I'm not the number one or whatever, I do understand that of all the teams at any particular time, only one has the grand master plan to make it to the promised land for an MLS Cup at the end of the year, right? So yeah. there's only one cup. But every single team, every single coach, every single organization, for the most part, some know that they don't have a chance. But most all believe that they've got – They've got the sauce. They got the players. They've got the list. If they get all of these things, they're guaranteed an MLS Cup. And the one thing that I know is that is not true for 99% of the, the league and 90, 99% of teams. So if everyone's mentality, energy, focus is on their one, two, and three, and four, maybe, and I'm a number 10 on the list, um, oh, yeah, he's a player, uh, whatever, you know, maybe not really. I'm not interested. Does it everybody all the time? Ah, no, not interested. But once the preseason starts, 50% of those teams and organizations realize that they don't got it perfect. There is an issue. There is a problem. And they're number two, number three, number four signed with other teams. Now they're five, six, seven, eight. Ah, it doesn't have, quite have the experience or whatever, whatever. Now they're looking at 10. And that's, hey. And that's where you go up into play. <laughs> hey, what's going on? Right? So, so I'm never a part of the initial plan. And I accepted that very early on. Quincy, you're not our guy. doesn't matter what you do. Even when I had a, a, 
I was the leading goal scorer for Chicago Fire in 2015. Eight goals, six assists, six penalties drawn. You know what I mean? My first full year actually starting getting opportunity and chance. And at my end of the year meeting, it was like, yeah, uh, the, the mindset was, man, look how good we did with this scrub in here, Quincy. Imagine what it's going to be like once we get some real strikers and some real DPs in here. And that's wow. what, yeah, so that's what it is every single time, right? So like, so then they sign three DPs, spend all their money on them, and they don't pan out. Oh gosh, what the DPs most DPs don't pan out. Oh man, what do you do? Okay, well, who cares? Because we already got the American player on a crappy guaranteed contract with multiple options, and he has no, he can't do anything. So whatever. That's the that's what it is. That's how it works, and you got to figure out how to survive. Once that happens and you're not a part of the plans, but maybe you're a part of the organization. Once those plans fail, that's happening with other clubs and organizations. And now they have limited op- options. And now they're going like, you know what, let's just bring in a hard worker and someone who's going to, we know what we're going to get. We're not looking, you know what I mean? We want, we want, we went with our number one guy, but he's been lazy and he's just on vacation and he's cashing a big check and he's not invested and he's not working hard. The fans are super angry and pissed off. Who's someone that we can sign? that can come in here. They're going to work their tail off. We know what we're going to get. There's no, no one's going to give us any backlash because we're already in a bad situation and we don't have any guarantees to them beyond the end of this year. There's very few players that fit that mold. And that's what I think is a, a an extremely valuable piece, but one that hasn't been valued properly in the past, but it will now because we're just, we're setting the stage. So people, everybody understands where the real value is. Because I've been over here looking at where the value isn't. And along comes Quincy to, to change that. Yeah, man, that, that's, that's, com- that's a completely different perspective than we as fans would, what I would think. I, don't, I would never think to, that the system would be that way uh, with the MLS clubs. And uh, I mean, well, that's not just, it's not only MLS, it's, it's clubs, I mean, different sports around the world. I mean, you see it, you know, in baseball and football and basketball, you know. You, you get the players that actually work hard and, and try to scrap their way through. But then at the end of the year, like Quincy says, you know, we're, we're glad you made it work out, but we got other options in the back that we think can do better than you. But at the end of the day, they don't. And then you kind of look like, well, hey, you see, this is what happens when you get rid of me. Now it's not working for you. I look like the better person on the field or on the court or whatever. So, you know, that that that's just basically what I'm taking from that, like, you put your heart and soul into it. You worked your ass off, but to no avail because they felt like you can, they can get somebody better, but they didn't. And we saw it on paper. That's, you know, where Chicago sort of fell down the wayside. You know, they, they've had the bad years, even with, you know, them bringing in Schweinsteiger, right? You know, they kind of went off the wayside there and Quincy's still sort of making a career. He's still going on and on and on. So, I mean, being impactful. I mean, Ben Olsen, uh, your your last head coach, he called you a pain in the ass on the field. I mean, I, I take that as a compliment, but that's something that you bring to the table that a lot of young guys don't have. I mean, we're both Red Bulls fans, and that's something that we've lacked since Bradley Wright Phillips fell off a couple of years ago is somebody up top that's going to be disruptive. And that doesn't necessarily mean putting the ball in the back of the net, but if you're going to to lead players off towards you, open up somebody else. I mean, that's something that that every team wants. And I mean, uh, how how have you been able to consistently do that and not being able to be let down by all these different scenarios that you've been put in? Got you. So to what you said, I'll I'll 
readjust what you said. You said what every team wants, and that's not true. Every team needs it, but not every team wants it. Hey, and not, that's it. Okay, and not every team understands why they need it. Because a lot of people are headline readers. They're not, they're not going deeper than surface level, right? They, they read a clickbait headline and now they, they're walking around talking about it and saying that it's true and all that instead of going like, well, did you click and read the article? Yeah. Did, you, did, did you read the article and learn and understand that the, 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 the title was satire or it was, in, um, it was uh, sarcastic, right? It was, but most people don't do that because it requires work, it requires mental capacity and energy to be dedicated to knowing what's true. And a lot of the times when you find out what's true, you learn that you didn't do enough work. You didn't, you weren't as good as you thought you were. You weren't as nice as you believe yourself to be. You weren't as thoughtful as you claim or tell yourself or tell others you are. And it's, it's easier to ignore that than it is to acknowledge it and apologize for being wrong. Right. And, in the professional sports world, so so let's bridge the gap between the two. Well, why is the culture that, and why is it established that way? Well, those who are most selfish and most egotistical are rewarded with the most money and the largest contracts. So if you're a player in the system and you're going through and you're saying, well, how do I get a big contract? How do I make a lot of money? Being a team player and creating space for the other guy to score and to communicate well with your teammates is not the path to becoming well-paid or compensated. That's the path to being removed by the people who are willing to stab you in the back and talk bad about you behind closed doors or over, overcompensate or undermine you or what it is that you're doing. Right. So, um, uh, like you had said, uh, Ben called, said that I'm a pain in the ass on the field. That's what you said, right? Yeah. And everybody loves that when it's on, uh, on the field or can love it. The opponent hates it, right? Which is a huge thing. If the opponent, hate, if every single person you go up against says they hate playing against you, and that's looked at as a negative from the perspective of the team that you're on, I'd question the individual who's in charge of making decisions. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great thing if the opponent hates you because that you're making their life miserable. Yeah, that means they're thinking about you. They're thinking about you before we even got to the field. Exactly. They're worried about what you're going to do and what is going to – unpredictable is the number one most in, in, most important valuable asset on the soccer field. If you don't know what the person's going to do, that means they can do anything ahead of you in time. But this is where, again, with my lack of cultural soccer knowledge, what I didn't know when I first started out, and I understand why I was so difficult for most coaches to manage was because most coaches were trying to manage me. That was my problem. And instead of trusting me and trusting that I'll learn and I'm listening and I'm, I'm doing what they ask, but I'm also seeing ways in which we can do it better. Most of them looked at that as threatening. Oh, that's my job. It's not your job. And I didn't understand that because I thought we were collaborating and working together. So that's why like maybe my relationships with coaches always end up, uh, we end up parting typically because coaches have a difficult time fitting me in a box. And the reason why they have a difficult time fitting me in a box is because I don't fit. I'm not, that's not me. I don't fit in a box. And most coaches never have conversations with me. They're not talking to me and learning. So many of the things that I had to learn on my own outside 
I learned much more slowly because no coaches, at least in my professional career, other than uh, uh, Paul Mariner, shout out Paul Mariner, love that dude, actually spoke to me like on a human level. Most just spoke to me as if I was just a cog in the machine, which I was, technically speaking, right? I mean, you know, you make, like I said, I'm thinking about a lot of stuff, but sometimes those things on the field, pain in the ass on the field might be pain in the ass off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I, I didn't understand how I was being a pain in the ass off the field. And when I'm trying to talk to coaches and ask them questions and stuff, they were seeing that as me questioning their authority and not wanting to talk to, you know, I'm in charge. They'd be like, you have to do what I say because I'm in charge, right? And I said, like, well, how did you become in charge? I'm literally asking inquisitively because I'm like, hey, I want to be in charge one day too. How do I do that? That would have probably been a better message to say. Like, hey, yeah. I see you're in charge. I would like to be in charge one day as well too. What was your path to getting there? That's a much better message. I know that now. I didn't know that when I started. <laughs> when I started, I was just walking around telling everybody like, yeah, but how come you're in charge? Hey, how come is he in charge? Then he wouldn't tell me why he's in charge. So then I asked the guy next to him, hey, how come he's in charge? What I didn't see and understand was that was questioning his authority and undermining his authority with the people in the locker room. But nobody was telling me why. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't understand. You just, you just needed an answer <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And nobody would give me an answer, but everyone was calling me stupid and that I don't get it. So I'm going like, all right, well, no one's helping me. <laughs> so, Help me understand. <laughs> so, yeah. So when I would go off, I would work on my business and I just invest my time in my business and my personal development and going through different things and trial and error. And I would learn more and more and I'd progress more. And I feel like I'd figure it out because I'd make some progress on the field. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Now that I've had a good year, you guys can see I do good. Are you going to give me longer term contracts so we can like start talking and stuff? And it's like, no, we're going with someone else. And I'm like, dang, what did I get wrong? I'm like, dang, yeah. what did I get wrong? I thought I got it right. Uh, but that's been my process. That's been my process over, over time. And uh, that's allowed me to develop a very strong mentality. It's allowed me to develop the mental strength league and break down the process in a manner and gain the skills to articulate uh, my perspective with better understanding for the person across from me. Cause I can recognize how it can be perceived in the negative way now. And I can get out in front of it in terms of in real time, having conversation, which means, my mental processing on the field is getting very, very high level. So, <laughs> uh, oh, man. My, my skill set is very high, very high. And I'm not afraid to say that because I'm like, wow, I, I, I figured something out here. Like we've said, you've been in the league. You've been in the league for a decade now, a decade plus. And you've been on, uh, on several teams at this point. Is there any moment that you can look back on to say, wow, this was my best moment in my in, in that 10-year career professionally or uh you know was it you leading a team in goals or is it you winning mls cup being part of that team uh can you can you sort of touch on that a little bit yeah my best moments have been the relationships and the friendships i've built in the locker rooms over the course of my time as a professional soccer player so a lot of my actual game situations like playing sit situations haven't been particularly fun or pleasant right like you're the dude who only goes in when everything is broken and there's there's no help and they're throwing you under the bus and they're hoping that you fail so you're just working super hard to do something good and then when you do it good it's it's thought of as luck and then you're moved out and stuff so that's been a majority of the career so 
the way in which I found motivation to want to continue to be a part of it and to continue to progress and go different places is the guys that I meet in the locker rooms, right? The friends that I've made over time have been awesome. Uh, I love that. And then also my favorite times are training. I probably, I get more enjoyment out of winning practice than I do games on the weekend, which I don't know if that's good or bad for whoever's listening it, to it, but uh, I'm extremely, extremely competitive and I get to play the most in trainings during the week, right? I don't get a lot of time in play, play time or at least haven't as of recent or several years. Um, so, you know, five minutes here, 10 minutes there. Usually the game's already decided. You're going in there to do a role that helps the team, not helps your stats or helps you or whatever, um, which is which is fine. But the day-to-day interactions, talking with teammates, com- competing at practice, that's what I, uh, I love. I love that. That's uh, a lot of fun. So out of all those relationships that you've built with uh, your teammates over the years, who has had the most influence on you as a player? As a player. Because I, I feel like I, I get that from you, from watching, you know, your videos and some of your goals. I, I see that you're a competitive individual. Like, not to, it, it's not just soccer for you. It's no. anything that you want to do, you want to accomplish it, at, at, and you want to be the best at it. Yes. And and that's that comes across clearly, I think, and, and I hope it comes clearly to everybody that's listening and everybody that listens to your shows. I, I'm interested to see, like, is there anybody that, that you really clash with in a professional way or it could be that you just went heads with them and it motivated you to become that much better? Well, I'd say most of my coaches. <laughs> most of my coaches. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm like being honest. That's what I'm yeah, telling yeah, you. No, I, I yeah. hear you. Most of them, yeah, in the professional, professional. And that's what I'm saying. That's why I say shout out Paul Mariner because that was the one coach who finally said, hey, come here, man. Like, we're going to build a team. I love what you do. I love your determination and this is that. And then he got sacked and then he went into uh, commentating for like the New England Revolution. I was just like, oh, man, again, just keep getting gutted. Uh, It's mainly coaches because they believed, yeah, they thought I was dumb or they didn't believe or think I could do it. And that was all the motivation I needed to prove them wrong in terms of like, oh, okay, I don't care if you can beat me today. Will you be able to beat me 10 years from now? Cause that's what I'm preparing for. I'm going like, I'm beating you in the long run. Like you guys can keep taking advantage of me in the short run. You can keep stabbing me in the back. You can keep lying to me about this and lying to people about that. But I remember all of it. And if you're okay and you can go to bed at night knowing that you're the way that you make for yours is by taking advantage of other people and not helping them along the way, then okay, that's what you choose to do. I'm not even saying that you're wrong in doing it. You have family and friends and people to provide for. And I don't know your background. This might be the, the only way that you generate enough money to sustain yourself. So again, this isn't any judgment in terms of like what they're doing is right or wrong. I'm just saying what I'm doing instead. And I believe that in the long run, it will benefit uh, myself, my family, and those those who support me and who are with me along the way. And if it doesn't, I'm open to the idea that I'm wrong. I'll be the first person to admit that I'm wrong and uh, and be open to criticism or feedback for how I can get better. Because I, yeah, I guess when I'm going through it, I'm going like, well, if I'm wrong, I want you to explain and show me how I'm wrong so I can be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going like, so I, I think everyone's walking around thinking they're right about everything. If you didn't, everyone thinks they're right. It's not until enough time passes, you look back and you go, oh, man, I was wrong. Right? So no one's going around going like, oh, I'm wrong, unless you're extremely in a difficult spot. 
yeah. our mentality stuff is great for you. But it's, it's really saying, look, I'm not saying I believe you're wrong because I think you're stupid or an idiot or dumb or whatever. I'm, I'm asking you to explain to me how I'm wrong so I can be on the right side, so I can be right with you. You know what I mean? And if you're not showing me how to be right, if you're saying I'm wrong and you're not teaching me how to be right, that's where I have a problem. Because I'm going like, okay, well, you want me to be wrong? Why do you want me to be wrong? So you can beat me? It's just the competitive nature. And when, I, when you're coming into it without any professional guidance, uh, history of anybody who's played at this level, no frame of reference, I'm literally going into this completely blind, starting from scratch, right? You're, you're creating mechanisms that allow you to orient yourself in the world um, without much help. So you got to build that. And that's where I think, you know, where we're here now having this conversation has been the result of like the videos that we're putting, I've been putting together online and the philosophies I've been sharing and the books that we've been writing. And, you know, um, to be specific with your question, uh, in terms of that, I say all my whole career, but I think where really the ball got rolling was in Chicago with the, with getting Quincy time and getting that approval with, uh, with the front office at that time, shout out, uh, Jeff Crandall, Eunice Kim. Leo Flores, I basically brought them in for uh, a business meeting and said, let's do this show. And they're like, uh, you're a no name and we don't know, but okay, let's do it. Uh, so shout out them, oh, man. You, sorry. Uh, you, you, you asked me another question that I wanted to make sure I was answering. Cause you said specific in the game, right? Yeah. Like, like as a players or anybody, any one of those relationships, any player influence you to push yourself a little bit further than you already did. And, and that's where, and I was wanting to tie it back to that. So just, just like, because I didn't know what I had wrong, I had to account for everything. So every player I've ever played with, I'm watching and learning what it is that they do and what makes them great. And I'm integrating that into my game because I don't know if that person and what they do is the thing that will get me to my goal, right? So let me give an example. I'll give a specific example. When I was in San Jose, I was with the earthquakes for the first year, 2009, right? Then in 2010, by after the first game, we did preseason. I had a great preseason. I think I scored like five goals in preseason. I got an opportunity to, I played like the last 10 minutes of the season opener and I got like man of the match and I just played like 10 minutes and then I got traded to Colorado and when I got to Colorado I remember talking to Ross LeBeau and Andre Akbar at that time and I said hey there's this dude by the name of Chris Wondolowski right you'll probably never ever hear of him right he's probably never going to get a chance or an opportunity but I've never ever in my life seen anybody score in the 18 yard box like him like any ball that gets crossed in or anything he scores it in finishing training he scores it is it blew my mind right i'm like amazing but i go but he's not fast you know what I mean? he's not strong he's not athletic he's been in the league i think at that time maybe like four years or five years at that point in time and um and especially this time mls back then was very much more all about being athletic and strong and fast but my point is i'm saying I saw that and I, the things that I saw him doing and his technique in shooting was very similar in some aspects in terms of uh, mechanics to Connor Casey, who was here at Colorado at that time. And I was drawing comparisons between, okay, Connor's a prolific goal scorer here in MLS with Omar Cummings. And I can see similar mechanics in Connor's shot as to this guy Wando 
who I was looking at. So I'm going like, okay, I'm drawing the parallels, but the difference is I'm going like, okay, I don't see Wanda's already been several years in the league and he's not getting an opportunity. I don't see why that, that would change for any reason at that point, but I'm taught, I'm talking to them about it. Well, fast forward a couple of weeks and all the forwards who were in front of him got injured or something happened and he ended up starting. And when he did, he then scored a goal in every game for the next five games. And once that happens, you're going to get more opportunities. By the end of the year, he had 18 goals. Then everyone's and like, here we are. <laughs> go, oh, that's a fluke year. You don't know. They give him a new kind of contract, 27 goals. Whoa, whoa. That, well, that's because of, you know, this, this, that, and the other they give him a little bit more money and sign him again. Then it's another, what, 17 goals in golden boot. So it takes three full years of that. And I'm going like, for me, the reason I say that is I'm saying, I've seen many guys like that, like Wando, where I'm going like, there's something specific about their game that had they just have the opportunity and the support, they would be a Wando in terms of like, yeah. that's why I think a big thing from take from that for me with like, especially Wando and other guys like Jeff Lorenowitz, where I'm looking, I'm going like, sticking around long enough is just as important if not more figuring out how to stick around long enough gets you that opportunity eventually and then run away with your opportunity once you get it so um, I've been influenced by every single player I've ever played with and the reason for that is because I didn't have any connections when I started out with I couldn't afford not to learn from every player that I played with and that came down to last year Griffin Yao you know and uh, Moses and uh, any of the young guys who come in uh, Noah who played with Loudon, uh, Shinya, all those guys, even the guys who play in USL and USL2 who come in and train with us, college guys, I'm talking to them and I'm watching them and I'm learning because I'm, I'm just, you know, like Swiss Army Knife, I don't know. And I just optimize for that. And because of that, based on the situation in the game, the opponent I'm particularly up against, I'm bringing out the version of player that I saw in the past that is the, 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 most difficult person for this individual to beat in this moment it's like almost like what pokemon cards or something like that you know you're like oh what do you got right there and i'm like oh well i've been collecting cards and <laughs> here's oh you got that one that's cool you got charizard okay here's ah, boof. <laughs> in or whatever dragon yeah. ball you know, whatever reference you want to use you know what i'm saying like <laughs> what super saiyan mode do we need to go into and you're like oh wait no one's doing super saiyan mode over here well okay i don't know what that means i'll just hold it over here let's just play with Let's play with these cards. Let's yeah. play with I appreciate the questions, man. And you can tell I can, I can go on a journey, but this is the MSL. Nah, dude. Dude, you good, dude, you're good, man. You're good. You're giving, you're giving us a lot of information as, yeah, sure. especially as like outsiders, right? We, we see, we see it from a different perspective. You lived it for 10 years. Uh, you know, this is very insightful, you know, very enlightening. So it's, it's really good to hear the perspective of a player who's actually been through the process year in and year out. And that leads actually to my next question. How do you see the state of MLS? I mean, you know, it, it, it's always a, a brand that continues to grow in, in certain aspects, right? You're bringing in the players, you, you get, you're garnering more attention, the attendance is going up, depending on where you look at it from, like Atlanta, Seattle. In your, in your mind, is MLS headed in the right direction or there's still a lot more things that they need to do in order to continue to grow to be a, a powerful league around the world? And I've been thinking a little bit more about this because I'm going like, I think someone's going to probably eventually ask me this. And with where I believe we are in the state of things, I think what I say is very, could be very influential in terms of the direction things do go. 
So I'm mindful of that in, in terms of like making sure people understand that if and when I have negative things to say from the perspective of the audience about the league or whatever, it's not in, I'm a bitter old man who's mad because they, they force me out or they, you know, they don't, like I said, I, I got over that a long time ago and I found reasons why I kept staying in the league beyond the money. Cause they're not paying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Beyond the money and stuff, like I said, the day to day stuff. And I want to see the young guys like the Griffins. Right. And even the uh, younger guys with a little bit more experience, like the Earl Edwards uh, juniors, the Donovan Pines, the Chris Adoys. I want to see the league be something that they can fully leverage and benefit from and profit from in the future for themselves and their families. So when I'm saying things, it's not with the, with the, with the, oh, he's just a guy who who's trying to burn down bridges and stuff. No, I'm really saying, Hey, based on what I see and based on the experiences I have and the reasons why I believe I experienced them are because we're not valuing or accounting for enough things which is causing long-term systemic problems, which result in, you know, prejudice in certain ways, discrimination in other ways for different reasons and different capacities. And for us to continue to ignore and not acknowledge those things is, is a reason why that's a problem. So back in December, I think I do the Ask the Soccer Pro Show every Thursday. I've been doing it for like a year and a half now, talking about the MSL, the mentality, state of stuff. Someone had asked me about the state of the league of MLS. And I, and I likened the MLS to the housing market. So I don't know if how many people are f familiar with the housing market, the mm -hmm. bubble that crashed 2008. Basically the real premise and idea is when you're in the bubble and it's expanded, the people who are on the bubble train, you can't talk to them because for, as far as they're concerned, you're an idiot and you're missing out on all these amazing potential upside gains. There's the housing market's never going to go down. Everything's great. Everything's perfect. And you think about it like MLS, their model, in my opinion, is similar to that in terms of, expansion was the determining factor in their ability to generate more revenue, increase the overall valuation of each organization, right? Just simply by bringing in a new club and that valuation would essentially raise the valuation of every other club across the, across the country. But a mistake in that thinking is it's unrealized gains. So it's only paper gains and it's only if there's a buyer on the other side. For me at that time, I'm expressing that and saying, look, the direction that they're going, that if they're only growing and their only potential for growth is based in expansion, they are not on the right track. They are not on the right lane, but understanding the governmental policies and stimulus programs where they come in and bail everybody out once the, the verbal bursts, this may be the train that takes us, you know, another five, 10 years. I don't know. Having said that, we're now at a point in time where we've got the current uh, world situation mm -hmm. that's forced everyone to slow down, um, self-reflect and reassess. This podcast, the many podcasts and people who are coming online, a lot of the perspective, the, the knowledge, the things that are starting to be consumed now is because of the fact that everything is shut down and all the content, there's only so many replays of old games you can watch of MLS before you're yeah. like, <laughs> okay, you know what I'm it drives you it drives you a little insane sometimes yeah, yeah. It's like okay how long are you going to relive these old this this stuff but i get it because that means and that tells me there was no preparation there was no stockpile of evergreen long-term content like the msl bro where we can keep the conversation going and we can share uh insight and knowledge that educates the audience that i believe has not been educated for 
many, many years. Yeah. Because you have too many talking heads spewing nonsense because it benefits them in the short term to do so. The number of times I'm seeing uh, commentators say, oh, I can't believe that guy did that. He's got to finish that. What a ridiculous, that is just not acceptable. That is total. And I'm going like, rather than crap all over the player, set some context, say, hey, I can see that how the viewer at home watching on the field may believe that that should be something he has to put away. And I would agree that he, he more times than not, he should. But as could you notice the angle at which the ball got played back and the height at which the ball came into him? If you look here three steps before, he was expecting the ball to come in onto his left foot. And it's not until the ball is halfway towards him that he realizes it's coming to his right foot which doesn't allow him to raise his foot up enough to get over it. And that's why it goes over the ball bar from six, six, uh, from the six yeah. yard box. That's more insightful. That's help. Edu- that's educating the audience. That's not throwing the player on the field under the bus just for the sake of throwing him under the bus because, because you're, you know, you're edgy and you, you tell it like it is and you call people out. And that's why you sign the big contracts because the TV network doesn't know the difference. So they think that, you know, what you're talking about because they don't know what you're talking about. And you, you see, they're, they're looking at their KPIs and that metrics and numbers and say, oh, well, when, when this dude's talking on here, we get twice as many views or three times as many views. And they use the views to go and sell some VC guy who wants to invest in the expansion. And he's looking at that. And what I'm expressing to you is I go like, okay, that does not help. That helps some people in the short term. It doesn't help the whole system overall in the long term. So invest in the people, invest in, invest in the knowledge and, and give the audience more credit for being smarter than you do the reason why they're not smart is because the people who are educating them aren't helping them out yeah fiduciary responsibility yeah yeah and i don't think that there is one there's no accountability there's no because there's no incentive for accountability in the soccer culture system tell me the person who point to me the person who's a solid teammate who works hard who's done it the right way and is compensated accordingly compared to the person who comes in and says he is the mls and the league is over here resharing and retweeting and promoting that instead of shutting him down like the MSL did in the LA Galaxy game. <laughs> this man's brain like a small child. He ran into a freight train and stumbled backwards. <laughs> you guys let know if he would like an opportunity to get his mental space back, I'm happy to give him the chance. The rent is still free. Hashtag rent still free. I think everybody forgot that the rent was free. The rent's still free. the shots man the shots (laughs) no but so so basically what you're saying is the mls still has a ways to go before they even become remotely what it could possibly become basically is what you're saying i'm saying they could get there much faster if they shed the old school mentality the old beliefs and thought processes that are that are the reason why they're in the state that they're in right now mm-hmm. in terms of not knowing what to do and seeing what the league chose to do as a result of the shutdown. We got to see what the league would do if the players actually went on strike, which is immediately implement uh, chartered flights, something yeah. that they should have been doing a long time ago and would be for the betterment of their bottom line, the quality of the league, the health, mental health and physical health of the players, players yeah. just like they don't want to invest because their business model as VC guys 10 years ago was invest as little money as possible because we're just trying to stay afloat, which made sense. 
I'm not, I'm not knocking the way that they went about it, right? I'm saying they're startup, but now they're 10 years after the fact and they're going like, oh, let's just do the same thing. Beckham came over here. We gave him, oh, it's Laton. Laton's bringing us attention. Yeah, but he's not bringing the right attention because he is not invested in the league. Beckham's yeah. back. Beckham's here. Beckham's doing a press tour. Beckham wants the league to grow. He he takes that pay cut in that that negative press at that time in his career because he understands, let me secure myself an options contract for an expansion team at 20 or $30 million, which is 3x the 10 million fee right now. But yeah. no expiration date. Like, and for me, at that time when I'm seeing what he's doing and I'm trying to have this conversation with my teammates, I'm the crazy idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about, which is fine, right? Because maybe I don't, but I'm just going like, he's back, he's invested. Zlatan is a leech on the system because he realizes I'm going for broke. Everything, all of it's me, 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 me. And who and how is he rewarded fully and completely? But six months, seven months later, now everybody wants to talk about how he was negative in this, that. So you're welcome for your confidence. And now he's not no longer in the league. Yeah, so everyone, and, and this is what created a lot of issues and problems for me over the course of my career is, okay, I'm calling that person out the day I see it. Like, right when I walk up to Zlatan on the field, we need to see if we can get a, we need to do a replay or something, relive that LA <laughs> game. Let's do commentary and I'll, we'll walk through what was said and where and all that if we could get like. That, that would be awesome. Do like a, I would do, be do, Zoom, <laughs> do a Zoom conference and the replay of that game, it's a color commentary. The background. Nah. How you break down exactly what happens, how you got into his head, and yeah, how that's. <laughs> the door was wide open the moment I stepped up to him in the center circle. I went, oh, all right, I'm right in here. What's, oh, what's this button do? This TV over here. Yeah, you, you, de- you definitely push his buttons right from the get go. He's definitely. He definitely felt your presence. But he see, he seems like that type of person that like if you push the if you push the right buttons like you'll really get to him like really really badly. Bro, what's this? What's this do? And then you know, everybody like he had seventeen shots, and I go like, yeah, he had seventeen shots, and he never scored. So why? How how does the greatest finisher of uh, whatever? Yeah, not finish at all. And, yeah, and most people are going like, oh, you know. I go like, man, man, I love the fact that everyone still thinks this is luck. So, okay, fine. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I understand that. People people don't like – they're steering left and one person decides to steer right. They don't want that. They want everybody steering to the left. And I, I can understand how that gets under people's skin. I applaud you for being an individual and not being a follower and, and just expressing yourself and creating and, and embarking on this journey of MSL and, and that mindset, the mentality that you – that you have it's it's something to emulate and then i think the youth will benefit from somebody having somebody like you to share some of this information with them and we, we don't want to take up too much more of your time but if you want to touch a little bit on on uh, msl guys thanks a lot for giving me an opportunity to kind of share and hear me out and ask questions and stuff which is dope i love talking about these things and sharing what i've learned i, I love sharing all the mistakes i made that's most fun for me. I think a lot of people don't like doing that. But I do because I'm like, dang, look how, look how stupid I was. Like for three years, I was just doing this. I didn't even know. It's crazy. Yeah. Might not have been as much fun for other people, but at least they can hear me explain and apologize now. That's what I'm saying. Like, hey, this is what I didn't know. And I'm sorry if it rubbed you the wrong way, but I'm in your head. We win. Ah. But all jokes aside, in terms of the mentality and, and stuff, if people are wanting to join my newsletter, I got a, my MSL weekly newsletter. I try to make sure I, I do it weekly. Um, at the very least, I do it like 
uh, once a month uh, talking about just mentality, self-development, all that kind of stuff. You can go to uh, quincyameriquois.com slash about and you'll get kind of a breakdown of what's most recent and up to date as well as the link to join the newsletter. And then for those who are most interested in the soccer development side of things in conjunction with uh, the mentality, fitness, tr nutrition, I know you asked that and touched on that with me, skills, drills, all that kind of stuff. I, our platform is now, um, you can now go and create yourself an account, Perfect Soccer Team membership account. So uh, the, the perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM, PSTM. Uh, you head there and uh, the pay to play system is one that has not allowed a lot of players to have access to, which I feel is an issue and problem. But I do also understand that it's a business at the end of the day and you need to make money, generate money to keep the system going. So the way in which we bridged that gap was there is a free option. There's a way to get our products and services for free if you don't have money, the credit card to do so, which means you might have to do some work for yourself. So invest in yourself. So when you go to a Perfect Soccer team member, um, to create an account, you can pay to join the network and get access to all of our tools, books, and resources and download and get them for free. Or you can go through whatever steps are on the page right there to get that fee waived. So I, I do it in a general sense because we're always updating the system, adding new systems and programs. And when we do, if I end up speaking with MLS, you can learn a thing or two, not pigeonholing yourself while you're making content in the moment so you can make it evergreen. So that's what I said. <laughs> perfectsoccerskills.com slash PSTM. That's a link that I am able to update and to do this in the future in a year mm -hmm. or two when we add even more things to it. So this interview will always remain relevant in terms of what it is that we're talking about. And people can revisit it and relearn things from different perspectives as they learn new things and gain more experience over time. So we are working together because one of our core values here is teamwork makes the dream work. So I'm happy to have you guys on the team. And Thank there you. you go. That that That's my slogan, man. Quincy Ameriqua, thanks for joining us, man. This was definitely an enlightening interview that we just had. Uh, you let us in on a lot of information and you let us into your head a little bit to see what, you know, what's going on in there, what makes the gears grind. So we appreciate you very much for taking the time out of your day. And uh, hopefully you and your family stay safe. Uh, you know, with everything that's going on in the world today. Uh, but once again, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the 5050 Ball Podcast. Just a reminder that the Bundesliga returns this weekend. My beloved BVB will face off against Schalke in the Riviera Derby. We'll be returning next week with another episode to discuss these matches. Uh, we also just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of the essential workers out there who are continuously putting their lives at risk for the sake of others. We are thinking about you. And to all our listeners, we hope that you find yourselves at peace and with health during these troubling times. We also wanted to remind everyone that we are still running the raffle all you have to do is subscribe and leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. we are also available on spotify google Podcasts, and many more please find all streaming services at anchor.fm backslash 5050 ballpod you can also find us on instagram twitter and facebook at 5050 ballpod that's 5050 b-a-l-l-p-o-d thank you
if you listen to this episode and you learn or gain anything of value or gain any insights, we'd love for you to reach out to us and let you let us know what you've learned as well as leave a comment or a review on the podcast or platform that you're currently listening. Thanks again.